Hi, I'm Tafria Jemian. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! I'd like to take this time before we get started to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, like I am, it's important to remember that the lands uh, that we occupy, live on, work on, love on, are not ours, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. This can look like a lot of different things, research, reading new books, <laughs> reading new stories, making sure that you're in touch with a wide variety of people. We encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on this relationship with the land you live on and the Indigenous communities of that area. This week we're continuing our series on Indigenous authors with Those Who Run in the Sky by Aviak Johnston. So this week I'm joined by Maddie Dever, who is one of our longest standing Patreon supporters, and also I think the person involved with the show who has known me the longest, because it's been, you know, almost 30 years. Maddie Dever is an autistic adult and parent of five children, with three also on the autism spectrum, living in Carleton Place in rural eastern Ontario. Maddie advocates with both provincial and federal governments for inclusion and acceptance of autistic individuals and for autistic people to have their own voice in policy decisions. And as an aside, I think uh, Maddie is a great person to follow on Twitter for that kind of thing. Maddie is a former member of the Ontario Autism Program Advisory Panel and a current member of the Ontario Autism Program Implementation Working Group. Maddie is also a voracious reader and supporter of YA Lit and is known to be lost for days in new YA worlds. In Maddie's spare time, they're a web and graphic designer. And they stepped in this week to help me out in a tight spot because I really needed a co-host. Maddie, thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. I enjoy doing this very, very much. So listeners, you may remember Maddie from our episode on, uh, I think it was Order of the Phoenix that you were on, right? It was, yes, it was. It was the Order of the Phoenix, the good book. <laughs> <laughs> so we're very excited to have you back today. Well, thank you. It's an exciting book to read this week. Yeah. So this week we are, uh, again, continuing to read books by Indigenous authors this month. And we're reading those. We read Those Who Run in the Sky by Aviak Johnston. Big change of pace. And I've said this, I think, every week in November, but I'm really enjoying the like variety of books we're reading this month. How did you find it? It was uh, very visual. It was a very visual book and very unexpectedly emotional book. Yes, I, I agree. It was very emotionally affecting. My experience with this book, and I was coming to it right uh, fresh from having read Son of a Trickster, which is written for a sort of older audience. And this book, when I started it, I was like, oh, okay, so this is like a middle grade book, because it was reading kind of like a middle grade book to me. But I, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't think so, because I think it's far too sad. It started that way. I get, it's the way it felt, because mm -hmm. I think... The, like the, we sort of grow with with, with uh, the main character Pitu. Yeah. Um. It's it's not just set in one time. It's set, you know, it's a real true coming of age book where the the child becomes an adolescent becomes 
becomes you know right at the edge of being a man and we're 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 seeing the 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 tone set really early on that it's um younger but it 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 changes and shifts and grows as as the character does and i think that's what makes it a really rich book it was hard to get into because of that like Mm -hmm. I, i found it was really hard to get past the first two chapters but once i did once i broke through that it it became really rich to me I agree. Yeah, for the first two chapters, I was a little worried that it was what what Caddy affectionately calls uh, a book about a boy and his dog, and 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 it was a bit of a slow start. But certainly, at least like especially, I would say the second half of the book, yes. once P two is like in the spirit world and wild mm-hmm. wild things are happening. This keeps happening to me these days. I forgot to provide a little synopsis. Um, <laughs> this book is about Petunek or P two. Yeah, as you said, he's he's coming of age, so it starts when... I didn't get, like, a super good grasp on his age, but I would guess it starts when he's somewhere around 12. Yeah, I, I'm thinking somewhere 12, 13-ish. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then um, by the end, he's, like, well, 16, it, 17. His, his sister is 12. His younger sister is 12. That's established, so he needs to be a little bit older than that. So I'm thinking yeah. 13, 14 based on that. Yeah. Okay, and then by the end of the book, I think it's established that he's around 16, 17. Yes. Time passes in funny ways in this book, too, which I think we can get into, but I have to synopsize. He uh, is a shaman or is, 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 needs to be trained to become one, and this is really the story about him discovering that because he didn't know that. And at one point, he becomes stranded in the spirit world and has to make his way back and also you know has a has a, a task to complete in the spirit world so that's sort of the established setting he also has there's a love interest his like I, girlfriend i think we can call her his girlfriend saima although the model of like marriage and relationship looks very different in this culture yeah i, I think more friend and betrothed would yeah. be a more apt way of of uh like he's pro- he's promised to her but they're yeah. That's actually one of the really interesting things I found. Like, there, there's a, there's that awkwardness between liking somebody, not sure you're liking somebody, not sure they're liking you, not sure what that means. They're 12, 13, 14 years old. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so I think, I, I think betrothed is the closest way we could describe it. Yeah. But they're really friends. They're really good, good friends mm-hmm. that haven't really gone beyond that yet it's a question mark yeah and it it remains a question mark which is i mean it's kind of fun the way that relationship develops it does not develop in the uh in the sort of expected pattern this is also i feel uh like i should say it is the first book of a trilogy and we only read the first book so if you have read the subsequent books and are listening to this and going oh they got it all wrong be patient with us. It's set. I, I I think we haven't said this yet. It is set in the Arctic, uh, and um, uh, Pitu is Inuit, and that is the world, society, and mythology that this book is rooted in. It was surprisingly nostalgic for me to read this book because I had forgotten this completely. But a very long time ago, when I was a young mouse, I was very very interested in Inuit uh, culture and mythology and read a lot about it and so it was kind of fun to come back to that and have that reminded it really it really brought me back to being like maybe around 10 and reading voraciously about you know one topic for a month 
as you do. Yes, that's why I love libraries, and I loved them as much as a kid. I, I would lose myself there. Um, many times my mom would have to call and say, could you send him home, please? <laughs> <laughs> so it's if, if you are reading this as somebody who is new to Inuit mythology and culture, there's sort of probably a lot of very new, exciting things. Have you, how, how were you coming into this? Um, I came I came into it absolutely fresh with no preconceptions at all. I, I didn't even read the summary of what this book was. Mm. I decided I'm just going to throw myself into it, which is probably why I, I struggled for that first two chapters. But I, once I got through it, and I, you know, uh, uh, one of my daughters, if you're listening to this and you decide to read the book, I apologize for the first chapter. She loves seals. <laughs> but she she does know the way of the north so she understands that yeah um i came into it um just absolutely fresh i've i've in in the past i have read books centered in in indigenous mythology but i have not read a story like this mm-hmm. um i would say the closest i've come to this is brother bear which you know disney movie and all and all that stuff <laughs> so, so yeah this is this is very similar and different and mm-hmm. i there's yeah so i i didn't come into it with any preconceived things and um my experience with indigenous people is that the, my great 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 grandfather was uh very much involved with the uh, establishing the metis and and uh, Métis rights and, and, and French language rights in, in Manitoba when Manitoba was being formed. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a history in our family um, that's that's very much intertwined. Um, so I learned a lot about that in uh, about the Métis um, and River, Red River Colony and all that growing up. So mm-hmm. yeah, and my grand my great great grandfather was the first Chief Justice and the first uh, Speaker of, of the Legislature when when it was opened. So. Mm-hmm. I, we have a, a bit of a tie there, but again, white man, <laughs> white man. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I've had to, I've had to revisit a lot of things, and the the intersection. I mean, I have a lot of a lot of places where I have privilege, and a lot of places where I don't. But mm. the right here is where privilege comes in, and we're both coming into it with with uh, the eyes of of uh, of the white man. Right. And it it is um, (laughs) neither of us being men. Yeah, (laughs) the um, it's very it's very different. It's a very different culture. Like I said before, I mean the the family structure is different. Mm -hmm. The obviously the landscape is different because this is in the Arctic, which is a place Mm -hmm. I have never been. Probably most of our listeners have also never been. And that's you brought in the visual aspect. Yeah, bucket list for sure. Uh, the visual aspect, it's very visually rich. Um, it's its very... You get the descriptions of the landscapes and, you know, rock and ice and lichen. And it's fascinating because I think, especially in fantasy books, because I would call this a fantasy book. I think it fits the bill. Um, mm-hmm. It's its rooted in mythology. It has sort of, you know, transitioning from one world to another. You you so often see the same landscapes in fantasy. And this is something we've talked about a lot this year because we've been, I think that world of fantasy is starting mm-hmm. to just expand at a incredible and fantastic rate mm-hmm. in its diversity. So it was very exciting to see something set in 
in this completely new landscape for me reading fantasy. I mean, I haven't mm-hmm. read a fantasy book based in the Arctic before. I've read books based in the Arctic before. They're yeah. frequently touched by, as we talked about last week, Canlet's just bleak little finger. And it's very, very cool uh, to read yeah. it. And, and it's very visually rich. And you really, there's um, it has a color palette to it, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah, and there, and there's there's four settings in, in in this in this book, and I think that's what what helps is that you're you're learning about one landscape, and then you change locations, and then the landscape is described differently, and mm-hmm. then you change again, and then when we enter the spirit world, it's completely different the way it's described, the 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 intricacies of the descriptions, um, you, uh, you you get a lot of foreshadow to the to the spirit world um, through dreams and visions. But it's, or they're really the same, could be the same thing. But when you actually get there, it's everything that you've seen described is described in, in greater detail. It's, in, it's described it's described with more colors. And even in the, the spirit world, we change settings. And mm-hmm. so it's a, it's a constantly moving visual uh, masterpiece, really, of, of being able to put you there. Mm-hmm. Even the way it's just describing um, as as they make garments, as they make tents, like there's there's you you can almost watch exactly what they're doing, mm. and feel like you're you know you're almost participating in that. Absolutely, yeah. One of the uh, one of the aspects of the kind of changing landscape of the spirit world that I really appreciated, uh, which I think is is something that sets the spirit world apart from the human world uh, in the book, is the each new kind of segment of the spirit world uh, is tied to a figure, like a, a person in the spirit wheel mm-hmm. world. So you start out Talking about the the, the beings that uh, that steal children. Yes, the Cadlupilui. Yes, uh, over the holes the holes in the water. Yes. Yes. Oh, vivid. Yes. <laughs> it almost makes you not want to ever go near a hole on an ice. Just because of that. <laughs> super, super vi- vivid. So I looked up the word, and it's the Kalupiluit, which I probably am not saying right, because I think I'm putting a little bit of a French spin on it, and that's not right. But they're sort of the, the boogeyman. They're the, like, yeah, the creatures that parents tell their children about to keep them off the ice alone, right? Yes. <laughs> um, they're, and they snatch you off the ice. And uh, so they're the first stage there, and then you have... It's the, the Cadlu Pillow. Yeah. There, there's at the end of the book. There's there's a there's a, yes. a glossary on how to describe things. So it's the Cadlu Piluk. Yes, I am. Or the Cadlu Pilite. <laughs> Believe it or not, I was that was my best guess looking up that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you have you have the giant, and you have the mm-hmm. wolf, and you have mm-hmm. um, uh, the the shaman who Taktuk. Yes, Taktuk, who lives there now. But I think what what struck me so much in the second half of the book, because the first half I was having a little trouble getting through, in a twist that is extremely surprising for a young adult fantasy book, the driving force of the story is emotional development, is what I found. And I find that so cool. And it really started getting going with the conversations that he has in the spirit world and what is really what was really striking for me is that Pitu's journey seems to be from being a child who is quiet and listens and tries to figure out everything around him to mm-hmm. a young man who is 
challenging and questioning and saying, no, I've, I learned things and mm -hmm. I don't think you are right here, even though you are my elder, even though you are teaching me. Um, yeah. His development is really established uh, as emotional development. And that's very cool. You know, he's yeah. already established as a good hunter. He's not going out yeah. and killing his first seal and that makes him yeah. a man. He's learning how to discern things and read people and stick up for himself. Yeah. And that's well, very he, cool. Yeah, he starts off... Uh, there, there's a conversation that he has um, with his uh, betrothed, Sema. Um, and she's he's talking with her... And she, he's talking about how confusing it is to talk with her or to, with people, you know, or he, he understands nature. He understands, he, he can see things, he can talk, he can get a feeling from animals and from spirits. But when it comes to people and, and, and relationships, he's just so confused and awkward. And I mean, she, she wants him to, you know, to still do it with her, to still try, to still you know, be friendships, but slowly, bit by bit, we're seeing him step out, and instead of just hearing things or listening to things, offering advice, mm -hmm. and more and more, he's being told that he's wise, and so he does a little bit more each time, but he has this undercurrent of of self doubt, you know, oh, yeah. self doubt in himself, self doubt, you know, he's got this, he's in the shadow of a great father, you know, a a, yeah. a, a great leader. And who died early, who died too young, who died without a chance to really, you know, finish raising the son into, into adulthood. And he's not sure what his father would think about him, even though there's, he's done nothing to, to make that thing. And, you know, he's slowly told bit by bit that, you know, that he's got greatness in him, but there's darkness ahead. And he thinks that the darkness is in him. He's got mm -hmm. his mother, who he had a great relationship with, and all of a sudden she gets distant, and and he can't quite figure out why. And I, that's a, that's one. I'd love to come back to that because that's a that's a gaping hole that I have that I'd love to chat through. But yes, so he he gets more and more experience of of growing, even with this undercurrent of of self doubt. And then when he gets through the the spirit world, which throws everything all his doubt, all his 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 sureness of himself up and down, back and forth together until he meets the shaman, who's really a projection of a possible future. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way, but absolutely. I really like what you what you said about the way that Pitu hears there's darkness ahead for you and takes that to mean not being a shaman is tough and you will, you mm. know, experience scary and upsetting things but took it to mm. mean there's something wrong with you yes. um i find that really really profound that's something i didn't pick up on but like how mm. um how relatable is that right like especially <laughs> in adolescence it yes. when there are i mean i'm sure that there are young people who don't feel this way but i was certainly this kind of <laughs> teenager who who will just so quickly take responsibility for things that aren't their responsibility. But I, I think it makes sense that a youth who's serious about taking responsibility for things is someone who becomes the right person to be taking kind of a, a, a role that's both leadership and caretaking, right? Yeah. Um, but one of the things that he does learn, and I'm, I'm thinking when I 
when I talk about his emotional development and sort of his his ability to stick up for himself, I'm thinking of that conversation he has mm-hmm. with Taktuk, where Taktuk is saying, mm-hmm. didn't your parents teach you to, to respect your elders? And Pitu is kind of just listening, and then eventually he's just like, just a minute, like, you haven't given me anything <laughs> to respect. Like, yeah, I'm supposed to exactly. respect my elders, but like what have you done to earn my respect? Like elders yeah. are supposed to do this and this and this. And all you yeah. do is essentially bitch and moan. <laughs> yeah. Elders who run away from the world don't, don't deserve respect. You know, yeah. they need to be called on. And um, I, I, I think, oh, I don't know how many times growing up I was, you know, taught about, you know, treating elders res- with respect, but it usually meant, it was usually a way for them to dismiss me. And dis- yeah. dismiss what I was saying, and I really, 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 really hated being told that I didn't matter, uh, that somebody else mattered, somebody else in authority, somebody else older than me, somebody else who is not like me had a voice, and I needed to so- subjugate myself under that and just wait my turn. It was really hard for me growing up, um, as as somebody who is very from a very young age aware of the world and aware of of you know the injustice in the world and i'm so very glad that i had major growth spurt when i was 12 and ended up looking like i was you know uh in my 20s and mm-hmm. and, and so on because it it, <laughs> it let me look like i wasn't was an adult and then i could talk like an adult and act like an adult of course there goes my childhood but that's a whole nother story <laughs> I found it very interesting to think about like adulthood and elders in the context of uh, a societal framework that's very, very different from the sort of mm-hmm. nuclear family Protestant 1950s model that we're all used to, right? With a, a mm-hmm. mom and a dad and they have their kids and that's your family unit. And this is a much more flexible and fluid family structure. Um, mm-hmm. Pitu's mother is biologically his grandmother but she raised him and his father also lives with them but is kind of his big brother and it's sort of caretaking works very practically um and Mm -hmm. and everybody loves and cares for children um and so i it, it was um when it was like respect your elders i was sort of like oh like that's something i very much associate with the family structure i grew up in but then it's like well no that's universal that's a universal thing of like respecting and caring for <laughs> <laughs> i think there's not a culture in the world really that's like nah fuck the elders um no 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 i, I think we find that in literature when we but i don't think or or, or in absolute fiction but i don't yeah. think we see that uh in in, in the real world yeah the, the idea that you know those those who are older who have experience and maturity and wisdom should be respected because of that yeah i think it's the 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 issue is is forcing that just because of age without actually the, the it's the wisdom and experience yes. that should make you respect your elders well not because of who they are but because of what they do it's pointing out and that's what... that's what pto's point Sorry, that's Peter's Sorry, point. I no, I just thought you were finished. <laughs> Me too, <sorry. laughs> um, yeah, it's about what makes you an elder, right? Like the respectful yeah. thing about an elder is not that they have lived a long time. The respectful thing about an elder is that they have wisdom and knowledge that they're passing on. And mm-hmm. and Peter's point is kind of like, well, you're not 
passing any wisdom or knowledge on. You're not mm-hmm. you're not providing your role in society. So no, you haven't earned for me to to just shut up and take it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that is a, a a powerful message. I think that's a really important message mm-hmm. um, to have there. And um, I, I I wrote a note to myself. Let's talk about gender roles. And yeah, yeah, we've re- we've really had to put aside the 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 Western thinking and put aside um, um, social justice, feminism, and all this kind of stuff, just so that we can push through to a story that's in a time before this, and really look at you know what was in it. And one of the one of the big takeaways I have is that good marriages worked out when they were two partners with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, there there was there was equal respect and nurturing and and protecting. And when that worked, things worked well. When that didn't, and we can see that with with Pitu's older brother, who sort of ran away from his problems yeah. uh, because he because he he didn't he didn't do what he was required to do. You know, he was making more other people have to look after his family and that's unsettling but you know you look at uh, at, at Sema and and Pitu Pitu was grounded and and didn't and, and pride wasn't allowed to be there because she kept him grounded he they, they were they were a, a real partnership you know even though they're not married you know that friendship you know was was being groomed to 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 that point and it's you know um his if we look at p2's travels through the spirit world what was trying to keep him back what was the thing that was keeping him um centered in uh, in the real world so that he could return to it it, it was it was same but it was her you know when all, all of the the worry about him succumbing to a darkness that that he thought that was a path that he knew he had to fight you know, the, the that relationship with Sema, you know, keeping him grounded, keeping him from being full of pride, was a huge part of why, you know, when he got to the point where he evaluated himself and saw that, you know, no, there there isn't darkness in me. There is light, and there's and, and other people were t- were able to tell him why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk about a journey of self exploration. Oh. I. I <laughs> I think every other book I've read where it's like this person is a, a shaman type figure. Mm-hmm. They've always like known since birth, right? They've been like raised up yeah. to it. And and Pitu's mother did not like that that, that was his fate and no. you know, didn't want him to have the danger associated with it and tried uh to just kind of not mention it. And I, I think maybe just kinda of hope it would go away, right? Yeah, I, I it's 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 interesting, you know. Like there there's a point in the book where um, she's seeing uh, P two being uh, being thought of and being set the the, the mo- set in motion to him being a leader and an elder uh, in the in the in the community, and she got really cold and distant with him for a for a period of time, and it was really hard for P two because you know. Pete is a mama's boy. Like uh, that's it's really very clear that they had a very close friendship r- relationship, and that was you know 
that was pulled away from him. And at the same time, he did stupid things and being jealous with Sema, which pushed her away. And he didn't have any female connection to anybody for a time and was really a little bit out of sorts. But I don't, with the part that I don't understand that, that is when he, he uh, there was a time where he, uh, he was with uh, Tegak, who was trying to start talking him about, about, his path as, as as a shaman. I think this is before he, he actually told him that this would be the case, but he started the conversation and whatnot. And he's listening, uh, 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 Tagak's looking, uh, listening to the wind and all of us, you know, and, and of course this is the time where, <laughs> oh, poor P2 is, is going through, he's thinking about the shaman that he saw as a kid and then he's thinking about himself and he's thinking that he's not worthy and he's really worried about stuff and all of a sudden, you know, Tegak says, whoa, what are you thinking about right now? And and mm-hmm. Peter's like, nothing? <laughs> Cause, and and it's like he's he's told that, you know, the wind was telling all about these things in, 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 that are going on that are, that are pretty good. And then it stopped, hovered over you, and, you know, sort of flurried and then disappeared. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> what I don't understand is it's at that moment when they came down the hill that Peter's mom all of a sudden was friendly again. I'm like... I, I, I'm, I, it's the one part in this book that I, I'm like, what made this change? Is, did, did, did she see something and make it realize that she accepted it way ahead of time? Did she come to her own acceptance in this? Because it feels like a Moses on the mountaintop moment mm. because P2 came down different. Mm-hmm. P2, like, P2, this is the point of the book that, that it changes and P2's on a, the beginning uh, of a quest. Yeah. So did his mom see that? And that's like the only interpretation I can have because I, I read through the book a second time and a third time in that section. And I'm like, I don't know why. I think, I mean, my reading of it is is that it is acceptance. That she, her understanding of him as a shaman was somebody telling her that he would be when he was born. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of just like, well, it doesn't really run in our family uh, I think you're making stuff up. And I, I think she was kind of hanging on to that. And as people were starting to refer to him that way, she was like, no, it doesn't make any sense. But then she has a moment where she realizes, okay, no, this is like something that's beyond my control. Mm-hmm. Like, clearly this is who he is. And, you know, he's still my son and I can just kind of process this. Like, that's how I read it. Mm. Yeah. Um, I do think that... The writing of this book leaves quite a lot um, happening behind the scenes, though. It, it, it's it's like there's, well, there could be more to the story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like maybe she had a conversation with somebody that we just didn't hear about. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I oh, there's there's like uh, I I can imagine this being made into uh, a, a miniseries and and you know, more. You know, the, it's the story of of P two, but it's also the story of of, of a village. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it's just it's just um, there's so so much life happening that we we sort of um, we sort of as as we enter through scenes, we're seeing like there's several times where P two enters a room that we know already things or conversations are happening, and then we're where the, the conversation centers on him. But we know that there's other stuff has happened. We know that as soon as he leaves, it's going to continue again. Um, and we're just being offered glimpses of that through P2's uh, point of view. And it's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's 
there, there's, I wish I knew more, mm-hmm. but what we do know is really good enough to drive the, the purpose of the story. The, 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 the story never leaves its thread of where, of where it needs to go. And, you know, it's, we get these, these, these glimpses of where it's going and then we come right back to where it needs to be. And we get these glimpses of where it's going, but when it gets there and when we, you know, it, it's, it's, it's so much more different than we expected, but it fits. It fits the path, like the whole spirit world. And when we eventually get to meet um, um, Mirror P2 in, in, uh, in, in, in Tekuk, it's, mm-hmm. or Tekuk, <laughs> it's, um, it, the story has brought us to where we need to be. And then it, and then it grows from there in a, in a really strong way. It becomes fantastical at that point. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm thinking about it. And I struggled with the writing of this book sometimes in that it made me think about it. <laughs> like, I, I was actively thinking yeah. about the writing as I read the book, which is not always the case. But it is, it's very much, the story is about Pitu's journey through the spirit world in this book. I'm curious mm-hmm. if the following books maybe focus on different threads and stylistically feel different. But the second the secondary characters aren't that important and they emerge as they are important to the plot of him going through this ordeal. Mm-hmm. So Saima is important because she's yes. keeping him kind of grounded to come back to. And his parents mm-hmm. are important because of, you know, his feelings around them. His father, I don't know if you noticed this as well, but his father becomes immensely more important um, once mm-hmm. he's in the spirit world. When he's on Earth, we yes. hear, when and, he's in the, like, the, the human world, we hear mostly about his mother. We hear very little about his father. Yes. And then as soon as yeah. he's in the spirit world, his, it's all about his father. Yes. He's... He lives in the shadow of his father on Earth. In his mind, his father's there, but in his life, his mother's there, uh, and everybody else. But he's definitely living under the shadow. But when we get to the spirit world, all right, let's stop for a second. You know, like there's the whole journey in the spirit world. There's the whole getting to the the, the shaman and the the whole, you know, flipping the, the teacher student mall back and forth. You know, and and you know, in in a way, uh, there there's a lot of you know between both uh, Tagak and Tuktuk, they're father figures, or they should be, or they could be, um, but he's he's growing past that. Oh, when we get to the Northern Lights, as he's leaving the spirit mm-hmm. world, and we meet his dad, or he meets his dad, and we we yeah. watch this journey. This ripped me apart. This yeah. this is where there, I've been I've been writing the emotions of the book, and I, I I I'm fully into it at this point. And this was an unexpected gift to everybody. It was a <laughs> gift to it was a gift to P two because he got closure with his dad and got told you are good. You mm-hmm. don't ha- check yourself. Do you see the darkness in you? No, I don't see the darkness in you. You will face darkness, but you are, you are light mm-hmm. and you have journeyed this way. And he gets this last bit of time. Oh, this is where I feel, and I'm falling apart right now because I would give a, everything in the world to have mm-hmm. that five minutes with my dad or my mom. Yeah. Um, 
I had closure with my mom. I didn't have so much closure with my dad. Yeah. Um, and uh, my dad was very present in my life growing up. Um, and I definitely grew up in his shadow. And I, I have a feeling you've had a similar experience growing in the shadow. <laughs> oh. <of> a... <laughs> what gives you I that think, idea? I think I grew up... There was a period of time where I grew up in the shadow of your father. <laughs> he, 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 he leads an immense shadow upon yeah. the world. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're going to make me oh cry. Oh, my God. I was so, so... Uh, I, I just... I had to, to stop reading for like 10, 15 minutes as all of the emotions hit and floored me before I could continue on the journey. And, oh, I mean, this is the, the this is a definite, you know, he was going through this period of meeting his father was the closure he needed to leave the spirit world as well, to be yeah. back on earth and fulfill the destiny that his father knew. And his father, even, you know, his father respected his 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 mother's concern and desire for him not to be, know that he was ashamed of growing up. He respected her. He he allowed that. He, you know, tried his best to to raise him properly, to be a good hunter, to be a good man, knowing that he probably, no matter what, you know, at some day he's going to have to know about this. He he prepared him, even though he couldn't be there in the end, and that closure just. Let him walk through life as a man. His that visit with his father changed him from boy to man, and uh, yeah, it 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 uh, it hit me, hit me hard. It's very good, and I think it hits on something. I sometimes, often feel like all human spirituality, religion yearning for something beyond all of it is about wanting that five minutes with that person i think it's something everybody relates to perhaps those of us with dead dads a little more um immediately (laughs) (laughs) in the dead dead dads club exactly uh yeah no it's it's this is it's the ending of this book is profound and beautiful and sad and happy and all of the feelings. And, and that's what good stories are. And this is the whole, the, the, this is a, um, a narrative about storytelling. Like this mm-hmm. is, you know, this is done in the tradition, uh, uh, an indigenous tradition of telling stories to let you, to, for wisdom as well as for knowledge as well as for experience Mm -hmm. and one of the things in the author's note she she said the great things about stories is they mean something different to different people Mm -hmm. for one person a story could be an escape from reality an imaginary land of good and evil while for another it could represent the release of some very real emotions so i hope that those who read the story can gather their own meaning from it and i hope that it is meaningful to you as it is to me yes the release of very real emotions was very strong in this book. Mm-hmm. While we're on the spirit world, a few things that I really I, I thought here that uh, some takeaways. When we focus on ourselves, we can't be in the tune with the things around us. And you know, this is personified in in Pitu understanding. You know, his his uh, as far as, uh, closest approximation I can have is his spirit animal, the fox. 
seeing it in visions and whatnot, had no idea what this was. And because he was so focused on his own struggles, his own concerns about himself. But the moment he stopped that and started seeing others and started looking past that and being in tune with nature and with everything around him instead of himself, he could see the things that were there Mm -hmm. in front of him. And, you know, I, I love the whole concept of, of, of balance in nature and only taking what you need and ensuring that others that can't um, get enough have enough that everything you take is a gift um, I, I, I feel that's uh, it's something that we don't see as much in our own society and it's something that I want to I want to borrow from right now absolutely I really I mean I really recommend this book I know I had my kind of ups and downs with the writing and getting into it, but I think it's important to learn about cultures and societies and mythologies that, you know, you maybe haven't learned about before. So if you're somebody with no knowledge of Inuit culture, mythology, landscape, this is a a really uh, engaging way to get into it. I think when I first started reading it, I was going like, oh, is this something I can read with my seven-year-old? No, it is not. <laughs> um, it's very sad. <laughs> there is, there's a lot of dead children in this book. Oh, my. Yes. There's so many dead children. Oh, my God. Oh, that was what I struggled with <laughs> the most. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I mean, even before I had my own kids, it's something I don't like encountering and having as i'm sure you understand having kids <laughs> makes it even harder yeah. to encounter <sighs> and it's and it doesn't follow the 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 boy meets girl girl, uh, girl meets boy uh struggle 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 boy ends up with girl in the end happy ending everything uh, tied with a bow it's not the kind of book but it's, no. it's real it's a real <laughs> life <laughs> life is not like that so you know this is can lit right <laughs> Yes, this is more along the lines of a uh, of a um, um, you know children of blood and bone kind of fantasy than I uh, yeah. I don't know. Doesn't end badly. It just doesn't end up it, the, it's the just, Hollywood there's way. There's just hard stuff. Yeah, there's hard stuff. Um, yeah. But it's good and it's beautiful and it's interesting. Um, yeah. I think it does a very good job of providing information and context without being all information and context. And we get to ne- learn what the fox says. You just couldn't. You couldn't help yourself. I could not. <laughs> nope. And and a couple times he could send it by fox. It's true. Yeah, he did send a message by fox. <laughs> um, I think it's very cool that this month. So next next week, what we're reviewing is kind of a um, is an anthology. Um, I think it's very cool that over the course of this month, I did not do this on purpose, but I think it's very cool that we've read each book has been like an author from a different community, a different mm-hmm. culture, and like like they're miles and miles apart. Like we did BC, mm-hmm. we did Kansas, and now we've done the Arctic. And I think that's very cool because I think it's really important for people to remember when you talk about indigenous people, you're talking about like you know half the world (laughs) Um, exactly if we're including you know australia and new zealand and every other colonized country um there's no monolithic culture there are similarities in mythology but there are similarities in the whole world's mythology Mm -hmm. um and it's i think really neat as 
a settler who, you know, doesn't know any of this from my firsthand cultural background, to understand that and really get how big the world is. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if we want to, if we want to really uh, understand how, why, how big the world is, um, you, we, we start in Canada and we start listening to the stories mm-hmm. in each, from each community both indigenous as well as settled, the stories are different as we cross the country. The stories are different within each province. It's a rich and grand world. And indigenous is not homogenous. Yes. So if you haven't been reading along with us, I'd encourage you to read the books we've been reading or, you know, do your own research. You might want to start in your town. Um, You might want to start in your region, whatever. You might want to start with your family background, depending on who you are. Um, But it's a very cool exercise, and I've really enjoyed it, and I highly recommend it. Maddie, thank you so much for bailing me out and coming on the show. Uh, It's always nice to have you. Always nice to be here. I enjoyed it very much. And I have to find the Kleenex box now, of course. And uh, folks, remember, if you also want to be a last-minute stand-in guest on an episode, you can sign up on patreon.com slash yeahpodcast. Uh, to get added to that pool. (laughs) Thanks again to Maddie for joining me for this episode. If you want to hear more of what they have to say, you can head to their website, matthewdever.ca, or follow them on Twitter at MattJDever. Those links will both be in our show notes. Thanks for listening to Yeah! If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Yeah Podcast, and individually, I'm at Tepper Dare, and Maddie is at Matt J. Dever. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, like today's, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yeahpodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Reshi, Erica Stitchberry, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, Maddie Dever, Emmett Cameron, Megan Jane, and Emily Patton. We appreciate you all so very much. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode, or any episode, to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. There are baby onesies, there are t-shirts, there are mugs, there are tapestries, there are pillows. They all feature the spectacular art of Bailey. You can also always support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, by subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend, maybe a friend who's really, really interested in Inuit culture and mythology. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tefer Ajemian, that's me, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Hi there, I'm Nick Hughes, the son. And I am James Hughes, the father. Together, we co-host Canada's Young Leaders, a podcast exploring bold ideas for our country's future. Our third and final season focuses specifically on climate change, how we got here, and where we need to go. We'll be speaking with young environmental leaders about the roles of governments, corporations, and individuals in combating this crisis, and also thinking about the role of the COVID-19 pandemic in the climate movement. So, if you're someone who is concerned about climate change and wants to learn more, check out Canada's Young Leaders. 
a very proud member of the Upford Network. Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts.